From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me today in our studio is Father Mark Rutherford, JCL of the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan, who just recently uh, took office as the new judicial vicar here at the Archdiocese. Welcome, Father Rutherford. Taylor, it's great to be with you. And uh, thank you again so much for uh, stopping in to talk. Uh, What does a judicial vicar do, Father Rutherford? (laughs) Well, how about we describe a little bit about the share of the judicial vicar's uh, authority and that of the uh, archbishop. Um, So the judicial vicar, he is given uh, um, the judicial authority of the archbishop uh, who has three uh, categories of authority as executive, legislative, and judicial. So the judicial vicar assists the archbishop in exercising and carrying out his his judicial responsibilities. And the judicial vicar uh, oversees the tribunal, which is a court established uh, by the law of the church in the Code of Canon Law, uh, which, among its other judicial functions, uh, rules on the validity uh, or invalidity of uh, marriages. Uh, and so the tribunal of the Archdiocese for the Military Services, it's under the direction of Archbishop Brolio and is supervised by the judicial vicar. So that would be my role. So pretty much you're in charge of passing on matters of canon law. And that would be, for the most part, uh, nullity of marriage? Sure, for the most part. I mean, our office touches on uh, other aspects of uh, uh, the people's lives who are subjects of the archdiocese. So we also process uh, pre-marital paperwork. If uh, a subject of the archdiocese for the military services is going to be married in a civilian diocese that is off of a military installation or AMS uh, chapel, uh, then that paperwork comes to our office and for my visum, just to make sure that all the paperwork is in order before it is sent to the diocese of the place where the the subject of the archdiocese is going to be married. And so we review that, we give it our visum if everything's in order, and then we send it off to the civilian diocese. So this is specialized work and you have to have a credential to do it what does JCL stand for? License in Canon Law. So that's just a kind of a fancy way of saying that you you are you you have finished the required uh, coursework and uh, thesis uh, for the ecclesiastical degree, which is different than typical people's call the typical kind of Western degree system, with bachelor's, master's, PhD. Uh, the church has its own kind of ecclesiastical degree system, and the license in canon law is to the, the completion of the required work for uh, someone to uh, practice canon law uh, in the Catholic Church. And so you have to know your way around the law of the church to have a, a, license, a license to practice canon law. Sure, that really helps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you acquired this uh, JCL here at the uh, 
a Catholic University of America while you were a pastor back in, in uh, Williamston, Michigan. That's correct. correct. That's correct. Now, how in the world did you pull all that together? Well, by God's grace and uh, an amazing staff. So my staff at St. Mary and Williamston, of course, they knew that um, Bishop Earl Boyer of the Diocese of Lansing asked me to, to study canon law at Catholic University's summer program. So uh, they really stepped up. And we really have an, had an amazing team there uh, where everybody uh, chipped in, looked out for each other, and they looked out for their poor pastor who was also studying. Uh, because it's not just the uh, summer classes, June and July, that you come to D.C. for, but there are classes that you take during the fall and the spring. Um, and so it was a real joy and pleasure to, to learn under the, the staff at Catholic University. Did you find that studying the law of the church enhanced your faith? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people joke that canon law is the dark side of the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is, my prayer entering into it is, Jesus, show me your face. Uh, because this is, um, the, the code of canon law is uh, an extension of the good news of Jesus Christ so that the people of God um, and the ministers and officials in the church can proclaim the gospel with the order and truth and justice that uh, God uh, has designed it to be proclaimed in. Uh, and so canon law, I have discovered, is um, a wonderful order of norms and laws that allow for the free proclamation of the gospel, not its restriction. And so uh, this is uh, not just the rules. This, uh, is, uh, uh, this is a body of law that's founded on the gospel itself, plus church teaching, I'm sure, correct? Correct. And uh, so you applied some of this skill to, uh, to your work uh, back in Michigan, too. You were the defender of the bond uh, for the tribunal there in the Diocese of Lansing. What is the defender of the bond? The defender of the bond, he has the, the joyful role of, or as some other people call it, it's the, the most positive role uh, in the diocese um, because the defender of the bond, he argues for the validity of the marriage and he also oversees the integrity of the process. So he not only looks for those elements in the marriage that uh, um, point towards its validity, but he's also looking to make sure that all the parties involved in the nullity process are crossing their T's and dotting their I's because the integrity of the process is just as important as the, the substance of people's arguments in the process or testimonies in the process. Uh, so if there's paperwork missing, if there was an inadvertent omission or deliberate omission, the defender of the bond has a special role in um, not just pointing that out, but um, uh, bringing it to the attention of the, the necessary per, uh, of the person who he needs to bring its attention to, um, because that might touch on uh, the substance of someone's argument. Uh, so marriage certificates, divorce decrees, uh, testimony, witness testimony, um, because, uh, you know, you, you might have witness testimony where, you know, three people collaborated. And so all three of their, uh, 
witness testimonies are identical, right? You know, and so they cheated, so to speak. Um, and uh, let's say the judge, um, uh, now I'm not speaking for, for our uh, archdiocese here on this. Let's say the judge misses that. Um, the defender of the bond, uh, in order to ensure the integrity of the process, it would behoove him to point that out and make that a point. So this is very similar to a trial where you had a prosecutor and a defense attorney. The defender of the bond would be the uh, defense attorney for the marriage. Sure, because at the end of the whole process, there's a review of the materials and the judge or judges, if there's three judges, will render a decision, uh, which becomes final with the, um, unless there's an appeal. Now, there might be an appeal in which it goes to the court of second instance. Okay, so you have the academic credentials, you have experience uh, in the Diocese of Lansing as defender of the bond and working with canon law uh, with their tribunal. Uh, you've been doing this kind of work for some time now. Do you see any patterns uh, in marriages that go bad? Uh, you know, where the church promotes marriage, mm. and uh, yet we've heard for many years now that as many as half of marriages end up in divorce. Have you noticed any patterns, any uh, any things that happen in a marriage that causes it to break down? Sure, sure. Two things come to mind immediately. One is relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if a person has a relationship with Jesus Christ, they care about what Jesus has to say about their marriage, their life, their future, and so Jesus becomes the center of the discernment process of who am I supposed to marry? Not just am I supposed to get married someday, but who am I supposed to marry? We don't want to treat the other person as an arbitrary decision of my own universe, but we want Jesus Christ to be the center of that decision. And so uh, one thing that is a constant pattern is um, a, a lack of attentiveness to the voice of Christ calling me to marriage, the vocation of marriage, to this particular person. Um, because you don't need God to fall in love, right? Um, pagan Bob and pagan Jenny can fall in love uh, and get married, right? And, and, and Christ isn't the center of that. Christ hasn't entered in the equation. But if you want to know the mind of Christ for your future, um, then it behooves us to get to know him. And the more we get to know him, the more we get to know his voice. And the clearer his voice is when he says, over here, over there, marry this person or that person. That would probably um, eliminate uh, a large portion, not all of them, of either a divorces or um, uh, annulments. Um, the second one is going too fast. Um, a lot of couples uh, treat the preparation process as hoops to jump through instead of opportunities to allow the Lord to shape and for them and prepare them for the rest of their lives together. Um, and so rushed prep and attentiveness to the person of Jesus Christ, relationship with Jesus Christ, 
in the discernment process. Um, so those two things um, always need in every diocese all over the world uh, um, can always use um, improvement. I'm talking to Father Mark Rutherford, the new judicial vicar here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Uh, you know, Father Rutherford, you you, uh, you look at the New Testament, and one of the things that Christ is really specific about, literal about, is the question of marriage when asked about uh, a divorce. Marriage is between a man and a woman and one man and one woman. Just off the top of my head, I can't think of a clearer statement in the entire uh, gospel. Am I right? Um, well, thankfully, Jesus uh, was clear in everything that, that he proclaimed and taught. Um, but yes, uh, in a valid marriage, and we presume all marriages are, are valid, we never approach a case with the mindset of, uh, well, this is invalid. We always approach the case with the mindset of, this is a valid marriage. Um, unless there's proof and evidence that shows otherwise. Um, and so, uh, yes, from the beginning, and this is why the, the teachings uh, the of the theology of the body that John Paul II left the church, I mean, if you stacked his teachings on the theology of the body and marriage, uh, and you stacked it next to all the prior popes before him on marriage, his would be more than double than all of them combined. Uh, and so what is the Holy Spirit saying to us? Be attentive to the good news of Jesus Christ on the complementarity of man and woman and on the sacrament of marriage because this is being uh, attacked in a very particular way in our culture. Uh, and so uh, it's that much more important for us as priests, for ministers in the church, for those assisting and accompanying couples in preparing for the sacrament of marriage to give it more attention than perhaps we have in the past. Because in the past, the culture supported marriage, right? The institution of marriage. We're living in a time in which those support structures from the culture can no longer be relied on. And so it's that much more important for us in the church to beef up, so to speak, uh, our support of married couples and those who plan on being married. So you just assumed the office of judicial vicar here at the Archdiocese so about a month ago. Um, what are your first impressions in the new job, and what are your hopes for this job? What do you hope to achieve here? It's like drinking out of a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> but the Archbishop and his staff here have been and are so kind and so supportive. Um, and I have a wonderful, wonderful staff that assists me. Uh, the judges, the defenders of the bond, and the court experts uh, are all over the place, and so we we keep in touch with them, and they are a great blessing to uh, the the tribunal. Uh, what are my hopes and 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 my desires for uh, for this position for our tribunal? Just that we serve uh, truth and justice with integrity, um, without uh, undue delay, um, 
and with love, um, and in a way that honors uh, the judicial authority of the archbishop. Again, like I said at the beginning, this is an extension of his, his ministry. Uh, and so it's our desire to always be in union with and in unity with uh, the archbishop uh, for the military services. Uh, let's talk about your personal background. Where did you grow up? Uh, what size family did you grow up in? And how in the world did you discover you wanted to be a priest? I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, so don't judge me on that. <laughs> uh, I have three brothers. Uh, we grew up Catholic. Uh, no sisters, so uh, there was uh, uh, a lot of uh, testosterone and fighting growing up. <laughs> um, uh, two older brothers, one younger brother. Uh, we were all hockey players. Um, uh, some of us were wrestlers. And, and other sports like that. And, and we loved every minute of it. Um, we, we went to Catholic schools for, for most of our lives, and we also mixed it up a little bit with public schools as well, and uh, a little bit of homeschooling sprinkled here and there. Uh, my two older brothers uh, are uh, married, wonderful men of God. My youngest brother, Joseph, uh, is married as well. Uh, and he was a police officer in the town that my parish was in. So my brother was patrolling me <laughs> these past couple of years. <laughs> I'm sure he never ran into any of the folks that attended your church, he, right? Well, he actually pulled me over on purpose. I did not violate the law. He pulled me over on purpose on Sunday, uh, right before Mass. And I thought to myself, I didn't know it was him until he pulls up next to me and he starts laughing and he says, I got you, didn't I? And so I'm like, yeah, you did. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so that's my, my wonderful family with 12 nieces and nephews, and I love, I love being an uncle. So, Father Mark Rutherford, how did you discern priesthood? Jesus. When my brothers and I were, in, they were, my two older brothers were in high school, I was going into, uh, it was the summer between my eighth grade and ninth grade year, so I was going into the ninth grade, so I was going into high school. Uh, my grandparents signed my two older brothers up for a youth conference, and they got me in at the last minute um, at Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio. They have youth conferences every summer. And um, at that time, my, my brothers and I, we were, we, we were not uh, following Christ. Um, I was going to say with our whole heart, I don't think we were following him with even a small portion of our hearts. <laughs> Uh, our, our, our hearts and our minds were in the world and uh, we were making some, some not so good decisions. We were making some uh, bad decisions in life and we we're going in the wrong direction. Um, and as, as my grandpa tells it, my grandpa had a dream and in this dream, Jesus Christ came up to my grandpa in the dream and Jesus uh, said to my grandpa, send these boys to the Steubenville Youth Conference at uh, Franciscan University in Ohio. And that was it. It was a very straightforward, literal dream of Jesus just giving my grandpa simple instructions. Um, and none of us had ever heard of this place. So my grandpa calls up my dad, and, and one thing you know leads to another. They sign us up, and so we uh, are on a bus going down to uh, the youth conference in the summer of 1997. It was at that conference 
that my brothers and and I and we thought we were tough kids, right? So wrestlers and hockey players, and we like to fight. Um, uh, we're at that conference, and we resisted everything going on at that conference, um, even though we were in our hearts a little jealous of the joy and the um, the jubilation that we saw in the other teens and in the conference leaders. But Saturday night, what they do is they bring out. Uh, our Lord Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament in the Monstrance, and you have three thousand teens who were worshiping Jesus and falling to their knees before Jesus. And of course, for me, my Eucharistic awareness was very low at that time, and so I'm looking at this and I'm wondering what's going on, right? Until the priest gets to the row where my brothers and I are, and um, he's about forty feet away, and uh, the closer he got to us, it was it was like someone took dynamite and just blew up a dam, and so the water just went into the valley that was dry and dead. Um, and as the priest came close to us, in my heart, uh, two things happened. One, my awareness that this is Jesus Christ. This is not just holy bread that the priest holds up at Mass and says, eat, right? No, this is Jesus Christ, so that's number one. That was a great grace for me as a 13-year-old, and then two, uh, his love um, uh, poured out in my heart at the same time. So, you know, knowing who it is, uh, just uh, demolished uh, my stony heart so that the, the piece of cotton that's at the center of all of our hearts was touched by him, and it melted me. The next day, so that was the moment you know, a lot of people talk about what was, you know, have you given your life to Christ? You know, if I'm going to point to a moment, that was the moment. But I went to confession as well, which is another giving your life to Christ. Uh, and confession was a phenomenal experience uh, after seven years of not going. The next day, they did an altar call with the bishop and about 40 priests up on the stage before everybody left and went home. Uh, they gave a talk on vocations and what a vocation is and how Christ calls you to a particular vocation marriage, priesthood, religious life, consecrated life, and so on. Um, and I'd never heard that before, uh, put that way. Um, and so the bishop, uh, when he called up all the young men uh, at the conference um, who may have a vocation to the priesthood to come up, and then him and all the priests would pray for us, uh, I felt a movement in my heart. Now, this is new to me, right? You know, And so this is a new movement in my heart that I had never experienced before. Just a gentle kind of breeze that basically said, go up there. So I went up, um, the lost sheep now having been found, and went up there and they prayed for our vocations. It was very simple, you know, no no lightning and, you know, but uh, it was just a wonderful prayer. And uh, from that moment on, the desire in my heart uh, to become a priest was, was planted. How old were you? Thirteen. How long is the bus ride from Ann Arbor to Steubenville? At that time, because it was packed, it was actually vans uh, at that time. You, you can't do vans now for, for um, security reasons. Um, uh, it was about a six-hour drive. Hmm. Yeah. And what did your brothers think when you went up with the other young men who said they were concern, considering going to become a priest? 100% supportive. My whole family was supportive. Um my two older brothers who were at that conference, and then mom and dad when we came home. Of course, mom and dad weren't sure what was going on with with us, right? So their kids went from being ter terrorists <laughs> of the household and getting involved in the wrong crowds 
to we want more of Jesus Christ. We want more of what God has for us in our lives. Um, and they were happy because we weren't getting in trouble anymore. Um, and so everybody was supportive, though. Mom, dad, younger, older brothers. Do you have a military background? I personally don't. All three of my brothers served in the Navy. Uh, my mom was a, an Air Force brat growing up, and uh, and that's a good term for those of you who don't know. Um, and so we were surrounded by uh, a culture of appreciation, love, and respect for our military men and women. So how did you wind up coming here to the Archdiocese for the military services? You're a, you're a pastor back in Williamston, uh, Michigan, right? And uh, all of a sudden, here you are in D.C., and you're the... Judicial vicar for the AMS. How did that come about? I still don't know. No. <laughs> that was very simple, um, Bishop Boyer. At, uh, in February, I was um, overseeing uh, the Diocese of Lansing Men's Conference. Um, and, I, and I use that word loosely because it really takes an amazing team. Uh, and Lansing had an amazing team to, to pull off a men's conference. But it was at the men's conference... Bishop Boyer was the the main celebrant, and he uh, just gently pulled me aside and shared with me that um, uh, the Archbishop uh, for the military services uh, um, asked if I would serve as his uh, new judicial vicar, um, and I was getting somebody ready to go on stage, and so like I I really wasn't sure how how to respond in that moment because you you know your mind is spinning with a uh, hundred and and one things. Um, and so he just, he just said, just, just pray about it. Just pray about it. Um, were you surprised? Uh, yes. Um, uh, because, you know, being a pastor, working as defender of the bond, having a parish in a school, you know, your mind is so consumed with love for, uh, what's in front of you. It's, it's hard to think of, you know, other things. Um, and, um, and so I prayed about, of course, you know, the joke is, uh, that, when, when a bishop says pray about it, he's not asking you to pray about it. He's saying just do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of a courtesy. <laughs> but I did pray. But um, uh, I'm just, I immediate what welled up in my heart was um, I felt honored um, and, 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 and the pleasure to be able to serve our uh our men and women in the armed services and everyone that the archdiocese serves. Um, uh, what an honor uh, that would be. And and so it's a great pleasure to, to be here. And um, here being back in D.C. where you uh, went to college, you, you, or college, where you went to postgraduate to get your license in, you feel back at home again? Yeah. Um, I love... Um, uh, uh, running through through DC, uh, back in Michigan, we just finished uh, um, an Ironman seventy point three, which is half of the full Ironman, and so running is just part of part of my routine. But I love running to and from monuments in DC. It's wonderful. Well, my hats off to you. We're uh, recording this on August twentieth, and it's hot out there. If you're out there running, you're in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring some water. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Father Mark Rutherford, thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, best of luck to you in this new position that you've taken as Judicial Vicar 
here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. In the uh, 90 seconds or so we have left, uh, uh, what is the process for someone who has a matter uh, that would come before you, any matter of common law, uh, excuse me, uh, canon law, uh, uh, whether it be a nullity of marriage or preparation for a marriage or anything else? If, if someone is seeking a declaration of nullity, several steps are involved. Uh, the person who is seeking a declaration of nullity, uh, they're called the petitioner. They would go on our uh, website, the Archdiocese for the Military uh, Services website, uh, click on Forms, and then go down. The second to the last is Tribunal Forms. And you're going to see there uh, the forms that you need. Click on the first one, Marriage Annulments, Declarations of Nullity. It's kind of a Q&A. Um, on the the process, what is an what is a uh, an annulment or a declaration of nullity, and then you want to click on the second one, preliminary information form. That's the form that you want to begin with. Start filling that out. Contact the priest chaplain that's attached to your military installation, and they'll also be able to uh, assist you in filling out any necessary paperwork. If you have any doubts or questions, just email us here at the tribunal. Uh, you can also find contact information for us at the tribunal under the offices tab click on judicial vicar or tribunal and you're going to see contact information right there we'd be happy to help and the url for that site is www.millarch.org millarch short for military archdiocese m-i-l-a-r-c-h father mark rutherford judicial vicar here at the archdiocese for the military services thank you so much for talking to me you're welcome pleasure to be with you